Bet the Juice Podcast. Cody Mitchell, Connor Holiday here. Sweet 16 games tonight, Connor. The NCAA tournament is back. Really, 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 really quick, because I know I really want to talk about the games. We have to address it. I'm going to do a podcast. Well, we're going to do a podcast after the season's over to kind of recap all the moves and all the offseason stuff. But obviously, Ed Cooley takes a job at Georgetown. He's leaving Providence, his hometown, a place that I never thought he would leave. But he will be named, or he is now named, the new coach at Georgetown. And the Big East is loaded with head coaches, and now we got storylines as well. Yeah, I guess a lot. The biggest thing that I could take away from this is Cooley realized with Providence, you kind of hit a ceiling. And if you could resurrect Georgetown, I mean, dude, you're going to be on top of the world higher than you ever were at Providence. You can win a national title. Georgetown. Yeah, I don't I don't really know if you could do that at Providence. So it's kind of like he hit his cap. He realized it and it's just like, yeah, I'm going to try to go somewhere where the ceiling's possibly higher. I don't know how well it's going to work because that is a giant project. Like it is a dumpster fire. It, he's not taking like Bro. no offense to Ewing. He's not leaving with him with much. No, but I will say he basically overturned, has overturned the Providence roster basically the last three seasons through the transfer portal. So I think he will get them rejuvenated fairly quick. I don't know if they're going to be like a tournament team next year, but I will say that Georgetown team had low-key decent players. It's just Patrick Ewing was a joke. Yeah, you could really see like the coaching was really affecting the team. I mean, a lot of times you'd see Ewing in the coaching circle and he's like in the back and it's like, you should be in the middle of that drawing up a play or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it'll be very interesting. Obviously, in the day and age of the transfer portal, you can t- overturn a roster in a season and an o- honestly in an off season. So be very interested. We have still a lot of dominoes following in that transfer portal. So be very interested to see how cool he can turn that roster around. 100%. Two things real quick. Um, people that are thinking that like Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter are just immediately going to go there, that is probably not true because they will have to set out a year because they are transfers. Mm-hmm. And you bozos on Twitter, like, do not. Like, Providence is nowhere near the job Georgetown is. It's not even fucking close. Cooley built it up, but also, like I just said, he kind of hit yeah. the ceiling. It's literally not even on the same stratosphere. And, like, Georgetown might be the third best job in the Big East outside of UConn and Villanova. It act, no, it 100% is the third best job in the Big East. It's a better job than Marquette. Slightly. It's a better job than St. John's. No, it's a way better job than Marquette. Marquette is a good job because Shaka Smart is there. Well, no, just because I know how much money Marquette puts into their basketball program, but also at the same time with Georgetown, basketball is basically all that they got. That's all they're known for. I know they have a football program, yeah. but still, like... Georgetown's a football program? Yeah, a lot of those schools have football programs, obviously. I, didn't, I don't think Georgetown has a football program. Or maybe I'm... No, they do not have a football program. I'm, I'm about 99 I know Villanova sure. does. Villanova does. I know I do not think Georgetown I does. I mean, just go ahead and keep talking. Hit, hit the one that we really want to talk about. Yeah, and then the other news in the Big East. Our boy, Slick Rick, Richard Pitino is the new coach at St. John's. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. He, I thought Iona was gonna be kind of his. Hey, Cody, suck a dick. They do have. A do they football. really? Yeah. How come I've never heard of them? Because they're, I think, I know they're, F- they're yeah, probably FCS. FCS. But yeah. still, I've heard of Villanova. Yeah, they play in the Patriot League. That's aw- okay. I'm gonna be a Georgetown football fan. Do they really? Yeah, I'm not kidding you. I'm, I'm pulling it up on their website. Show me a schedule. I want to see a schedule. Okay, uh, let's see. Who they play next year. So they must be one of those programs that, like, never wants to play an FBS school at all. Yeah, look. Oh, my God. If you, all right, here, we'll just go through their schedule. We have the Sweet 16 tonight. We're breaking down Georgetown's Georgetown football. football schedule. Marist. Okay. Sacred Heart. That's all you had to say. Stonehill. Columbia. Fordman. University of Pennsylvania. Lehigh. Colgate. Lafayette. Bucknell. Holy Cross. Yeah, that's. I mean, you rap, rap, rambled on the Patriot League and basketball to my ears, but I, yeah, I didn't know that. Good for you. Proud of you. But yes, Rick Pitino is now the new coach at St. John's. Now, this one's a little different. I thought Rick was going to kind of coast off in the sunset, ride Ion out. He was content making the tournament. A couple or years. Or a lot. There were a lot of steamy rumors about him going to Florida. Yeah, because he wanted maybe be in the South. I think that. I, to be honest with you, and from a lot of things I've been reading, I think we just made that up because he was old. Like, I literally think that was the rumor. No, I, I from a lot of people that I listened to, they were linking him to UCF and USF. And honestly, Miami, if... Larry Nagy retired. Exactly. Yeah, I think we're, they were linking them because they're like, he wants to be in the South. I'm pretty sure Rick Pitino wants to be in the Northeast. Like I was, I mean, that's where his bread and butter is. Yeah, but, but yes, he takes over St. John's. Now, this is a little different than the Ed Cooley situation in Georgetown. I think St. John's is in the tournament next year. That roster was not that bad. Mike Anderson was just kind of a stooge. He wasn't as bad as Patrick I love Cohen. how that's our default. Yeah, he was a stooge. He was a bad coach. That, that, that was an NCAA tournament roster he had this year. And I think most of those, he's keeping Soriano. Soriano is coming back. He's already announced that. Rick Pitino basically addressed the team, and there is some players, basically he was like, you transfer. I don't want you. He's probably going to bring Walter Clayton along with him, who is, the at this moment, the top transfer in the portal. I'm assuming Junior Joseph is going to go there, and I know some other ones are going there. Or, or top-end transfers will end up transferring there. So I, I do think St. John's is a tournament team next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean – the one thing that I have noticed the most about Patino since he's came to Iona is how quickly he adapted to the major change in college basketball, which is the portal. He has done wonders for that Iona roster in the portal. He knows how to work it. He knows how to find the right people for his system. And honestly, it's a lot I feel like it's a lot easier to talk somebody into coming to St. John's than Iona. And plus, from what everything that I've heard from Big East people, like they, I know you had said it to me, he wants the keys. And from what I understand, they're, they're giving him the keys. They're trying to make more games at MSG. And honestly, if you get St. John's popping at MSG, that is just going to be a sea of fucking red. 1,000%. I am jacked up I am so excited for like obviously we still have the sweet 16 and we're still big honestly adding rick patino makes them clearly 
the second best conference in college basketball. And the by far, and I even thought it was this season as well, the most entertaining exactly. conference. And we'll probably have the most eyes on it. Um, real quick before starting the games too. So he, Rick Pitino goes to St. John's, Tobin Anderson, Fills his spot at Iona. I, if you don't know who that is, he is the Fairleigh Dickinson coach who just upset Purdue and gave. Um, Goddamn, who they played? Uh, FAU. FDU yeah, versus they played, FAU. Yeah, they played FAU and they kept it close. Um, also, another one. I'm tired of hearing the, the shit on Twitter. It's like, this is the classic move. Guy wins in the tournament. He gets a good job. Dude, FDU won four games last year. Mm-hmm. He's been very successful at the Division II level. We've seen exactly. how well that's worked. Indiana State's coach was a, a Division II like prodigy coach, and he already put that that school back into relevance in Missouri Valley. Like he's a good coach. He might have not have got this job already if he didn't beat Purdue, but it was literally between Tobin Anderson and Rick Pitino for the Iona job before Rick Pitino took it. So obviously they had some eyes on him, and then when you just beat the number, you beat a number one seed as a sixteen, you're gonna get a good job. I mean, we see this happen in college basketball. All the time. I don't understand why people have like such an issue with it. It's smart to go after the hot guy right now. And honestly, beating a 16 seed that's only happened twice in the history of the NCAA tournament. Strike while the iron's hot. Not to mention your Iona. You're already the class of the MAAC. Like, if it doesn't pan out, like you can get somebody to come there in a heartbeat. It's, not, exactly. it's really not a big deal. But we still have March Madness. We're in the Sweet 16 here. Let's go. We're going to start here with the first game tonight, and we're going to break down the whole East. We got two games tonight Michigan State at Kansas State. The line is currently one to one and a half, depending on the book you're on here. Connor, this is your Wildcats. They got a huge win, closing it out against Kentucky in the last three minutes to get here. And then we also have Tom Izzo in the month of March. Where do you kind of start looking when you kind of want to break this thing, game down? I mean,. Honestly, the point guard matchup between Walker and Noel, that's going to be a phenomenal matchup. Two New York, two New York guys kind of coming home too. I I I knew Noel was, I didn't know Walker was. But I mean, I can, obviously cannot get away from this team. They have been my team all season, honestly, since football season. And I've just been riding the high of Kansas State sports, who have been very, very gracious to me. Um, So, yeah, they're underdogs. Love it. Give it to me. Kansas State money line. They're winning. I'm going to flip to the other side there. I I like Michigan State in this matchup. Me, 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 me. From mo- mostly for a couple reasons here. Obviously, there's a giant – like. Jerome Chang is an amazing basketball coach, but it is his first season. Tom Izzo's been here a million times. He's a 7C, but that's for Tom Izzo, that's basically like being a 3. He peaks during this time of the year. And I was telling you today, the best two players in this game are probably Noel and Keontae Johnson, mm-hmm. but maybe the next five to six guys are from Michigan State. Could be. Kansas State does not have anybody else besides that two-headed monster they have. And if one of them, if both of them, if one of them is off and one is playing very average, you're really going to have to bank on guys like Desi Sills to step up, which we've seen throughout Tom the season. step up, yeah. Tomlin did play a really good game against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He was like 12-6. and six, And, like, obviously they lost the rebounding battle by a million, but it's against Osher Sheetway. 
Yeah. My biggest thing and a key for Kansas State to win this basketball game is mm. Keontae Johnson cannot play like he did against Kentucky. He was 5 for 14 with 13 points, three turnovers, just didn't kind of look like himself. Luckily, Noel went kind of nuclear in the last yeah. four. Like, no, Noel carried them in that Kentucky game. He took over, started distributing the ball, hitting his shots. Like, they were down. What- they were down four with like five minutes left. Four, mi- four minutes left. Before he hit that step back three from way beyond the arc. It was like a 30-footer. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't miss that shot, and he doesn't make all the clutch plays down the stretch. Like, we're talking about a Mich- uh, Michigan State versus Kentucky matchup here. So, I think it's going to be close, and it's going to be either way. The, only, the thing that's kind of dragging me more towards Michigan State is, is in the last three minutes, who do I trust more? And I'm always going to lean towards Tyson Walker. A dude that's the most calm, cool, and collective and always makes a plays down the stretch. Now, Noel has done that as well, but we've also seen games where he just kind of disappears. And when Noel disappears, Kansas State doesn't stand a fucking chance. No, I know. I'm I'm not betting this game, by the way. Obviously, I'm betting this game only with my heart. And I'm just going to keep riding the train, whether this is where it ends or whether it keeps rolling. 100%. I'm like, for my end, I'm not betting it at all. If I had to pick a side, I'm like 50.5% Michigan State, 49.5% Kansas State. This is such, this is probably, in my opinion, going to be the best game. Like, maybe not matchup wise, but like score wise. I don't know. There's one that is also tonight that I think is going to have a run for the money for the best game but we'll get to that but my counterpart to that is i'm fairly fucking confident this game is gonna be nope the whoever wins this game is not winning by more than five that's my opinion i see variables in the game you're talking about that we'll get to that one side could blow the doors off that is my opinion the other game in the east here is fau and tennessee Last I looked, I don't have it pulled up right now. Tennessee was a five-point favorite, four and a half. So some money came in oh, on. Florida no, that's Atlantic. fantastic. Because somebody ended up getting at five and a half. Oh, you got a five and a half. Okay. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I've been doubting this uh, Tennessee team since they entered the tournament. Honestly, since Ziggler got hurt. And at least in the tournament, they keep proving me wrong. This defense fucking travels. That's why I'm laying the points with them. But honestly, at the same time, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't. I don't really want. I want Tennessee done. I don't. Here's the thing, though. They they are some of the. And that's why I hope I'm betting on them because every time I bet on them in the tournament is when they fall apart, and I hope this is the time. Yeah. But wouldn't it be funny if they lost to FAU? That, like. FAU is not your typical nine seed. Like, no, this but team just is really, way, really talented. The way this Tennessee team has looked, like I think their fans are starting to buy in, see the path, and they're like, we can make it to the natty. And then have a matchup with a team like Alabama that you've played. Like mm. They think that they could probably make it to the natty, but I don't know. I, I don't anticipate Nakamu making three threes again and going off for a career high. I think Florida Atlantic has the shooters between Davis and Martin that can stretch the floor and kind of give that physicality that Tennessee has a little bit of fits. I also will say new officiating crew. 
we're not guaranteed to be able to kind of get away with some of those cheap shots that Tennessee was giving Duke and playing the up close and kind of reaching in style of defense. If like there's a hot whistle early, this is a good spot to live bet probably FAU because Tennessee is aggressive and they're going to foul. And I do not anticipate the Tennessee offense being what brings them to a victory here. They got to win on defense and they got to try to get the 60. Yeah, biggest thing that worries me is just like the depth of Tennessee is the fact that they do throw in a lot of guys that can contribute, can defend very well. Yeah, so, legit everybody on freaking Tennessee can defend. Exactly. So, like, that's the biggest thing is, like, does FAU have the juice to keep this up all game? Because I think they're, like you said, they have the ability to keep up with Tennessee. It's just, after a while, when you're playing your guys for that long and... Tennessee's just throwing in fresh body after fresh body sort of in that second half. How much does that wear FAU down? 100%. I would take the points with FAU. I'm not going to bet the money line here. But, again, it's it's a definite lean, not a not a first shire bet. I do think they have the coaching advantage in this, though. I like Dusty May over Rick Barnes, even though he's not been here before. Yeah, I'm trying to fall on the sword for everybody. So if this if Tennessee loses, you're welcome. If they cover, shit, I made yep. money. <laughs> we won't see you guys until Monday to recap, and we'll have the final four here. So, Connor, I want your winner of the East region. Who will be going to the final four? Bias pick, Kansas State. Yeah, I don't hate it. I'm picking the winner of the Michigan State-Kansas State because State, I think that's so close and that could go either way. And I, I just worry like if Tennessee is able to dominate FAU and this game's a slugfest, how much does that wear the winner of that game against Tennessee who's got a constrictor-style defense I mean, it, it's gonna it's gonna be a very interesting game if Tennessee does advance, no matter who they play. But I mean, I can't. I am gonna just keep riding Kansas State. Yeah, I will say here's my prediction though, because I do think I would take the points of the FAU, but I think Tennessee ultimately is gonna slug it out. Five points is a lot for a team that plays a lot of crazy, crazy good defense and isn't elite offensively. But I think if FAU does beat Tennessee, I think they probably go to the Final Four. Really? I really do. I think the Tennessee matchup's tough, but they have the shooters to spread them out. But I will just keep riding that dream. And again, it's probably not betting with my head. No. But I do think Tennessee, if if we're thinking with like metrics and betting tools here, FAU against Michigan State or Kansas State will be lower than a five-point spread. I will say this, like we can make the case for just about anyone in this region we'll get to another region that we can make the case for just about anybody in that region but that's because that region's good this region i have no fucking idea so final pick kansas state yeah i have to choose one i'm gonna say michigan state but i i think it's whoever wins the first game tonight kansas state or michigan state which i'm literally so freaking on the fence about Mm. so over to the west here the game right after michigan state kansas state Arkansas, after beating Kansas, is playing UConn, our lone blue blood remaining. Oh, no, we got UCLA. We got two in this region. My bad. Yeah, three. (laughs) And the spread is four. Initially, I thought it was a little bit high. I did think it was a little high. 
But we have seen the top version of UConn, and we as a podcast have declared that is the best team in college basketball when everything is clicking. Yes. Connor, do the Huskies get to the Elite Eight and even to, to the Final Four here? Ultimately, like if you're telling me to place a bet on any team to win this, it is UConn. I there's just something about this team. Like I'm completely ignoring that dead stretch that they had, but Sonogo's been at the top of his game recently. When Hawkins is hitting his threes, that gives this team. Uh, that extra bit of juice like we saw in the second half of both those games against Iona and who the hell did they play St. Mary's St. Mary's that Hawkins didn't hit his threes until the second half and that's when the run started the pace that they play with when Hawkins is hitting the shots when Sonogo's being a beast down low it is so damn hard to stop but on the flip side this Arkansas team is no joke. Fuck the eight next to their name. This team belongs. Like, this team, that eight seed does not matter to me. This team is a fucking solid team. 100%. They have probably two top 15 picks and maybe even another one, depending on where you people slate um, Jordan Walsh. So they have a lot of talented freshmen and guys that are going to play in the NBA. And obviously, Eric Musselman has gotten this team the Elite Eight the last two seasons. But again, I'm going to kind of harp and piggyback off what you said. I think the real advantage here for UConn is Sonogo down low um, and even Clinigan. Like they, Arkansas has some guys that they can go deep and they have guys that throw at them, but none of them are as physical and as tall as any of the front court that UConn's going to throw around them. So I think they kind of eat around the paint. Also, Arkansas is really good at running the shooters off the three-point line. They don't – because Arkansas particularly doesn't shoot it well from three. And if you just do the math, if you're going to let a team shoot a lot of threes and make them and you don't make any, like, it's kind of what you have to do. But I think they definitely have the backcourt advantage here with Anthony Black and Nick Smith Jr. So I think it's going to be kind of a back-and-forth game. But I just – the upside and the la- the second half in the St. Mary's game, the second half in the Iona game is so hard to ignore how just – talented this UConn is where there's literally they can bring three guys off the bench and they'll be one of the better scorers on the court so want to get to our pick yeah I would lay the points here with UConn I'm laying the points with UConn in the second half that's minus one and a half we did talk about that last show like man this second half team like in the second half they have just been like utterly unstoppable because I feel like that first half like Every first half that they played in the tournament has been close. Feel like that's kind of the feel out period. Plus, like Hawkins isn't hitting his shots in the first half. It's the second half that he's doing all this work. But man, I I can't ignore the second half adjustments that they make. Like Hurley's second half adjustments for UConn have completely won them both games. So, I'm laying it minus one and a half second half UConn. Yeah, you, biggest worry is that they're blowing Arkansas out in the first half, and then I can hopefully cash out in the second or before the second half starts. Yeah, this is another scenario. This is the third one we've had today. The three games we talked about. I think the underseated coach has the coaching advantage, and that worries me a little bit. But I think UConn just so much more talented. The only 
The thing that worries me is if Hawkins and Andre Jackson both are a little off from the outside, that Arkansas can kind of muck this game up and maybe pull it off at the end. The other game in the West here, Gonzaga is playing UCLA. UCLA is a one-point favorite. Adam Bana is questionable, but from most of the reports that I'm reading, he's going to play, which is going to be a huge body because he's going to be going up against Drew Timmy. This game breaks my heart because I love both of these teams and really don't want to have to pick a side. Yeah, you said the Kansas State Michigan State game might be the best game. I think this is the best game. You're not even going to stay and watch it. No, well, I'm going to try to. We have to work tomorrow. I know. It sucks. I'm going to be exhausted tomorrow at work. Yeah, I know. So, um, yeah, I don't really have a side that I like. My pick, though, is the under 145 and a half. I think that's a lot of points, and you, we, you and I have discussed it. Tiger Campbell is such a good guard that he is going to be able to control this game. He's going to want to play it at you. He's going to make this game play at UCLA's pace. They have the number two defense in efficiency in the nation. I know that's a lot going up against the number one offense in efficiency. I think they're just going to be able to slow it down enough. I can see this game possibly hitting the 70s, but I think it's going to be a lot lower than what everybody thinks. Plus, it's hard to go against with the trend of unders in the tournament. It's 100%. Those unders have been insanely hot. Here's the thing. For Gonzaga to win this game, they're definitely going to have to get contributions from Razier Bolton and Malachi Smith. Malachi Smith basically was the lift that they had to get over TCU. But as good as Jamie Akez is and as good as Tiger Campbell is, Drew Timmy is the best player in this basketball game. There's a reason he's a Naismith finalist. And the way he has been cooking and I think kind of matured as now like the guy for his team. I know he was quote-unquote the guy last year, but he did have Chet Holgram right beside him. Yeah. And Chet was getting a lot of the love. Yeah. Now without a diminished backcourt that you're not used to seeing at Gonzaga. Like it's talented, but it's not as talented as like the Corey Kispert and the Joel uh, Joel Ajayi team and well Jalen Suggs as well. There's something about Gonzaga, man, that I'm just riding, and I know it sucks because it's gonna kill my UCLA future, but I think I would just take the money line with Gonzaga. Mark Fuse this is a rematch of the Jalen Suggs team that Jalen Suggs at the half quarter to advance the national title game. Yaquez and Tiger Campbell were there, so obviously there's a little bit of revenge factor. But the but, only person you're really taking a ve- revenge against is Drew Timmy. He's like the only, he's got to be like one. Antoine of the, Watson's there. Well, and I guess and, Mark Few's still coaching. And Mark Few's is still coaching. I, there's something about this Gonzaga team. They've been playing so well as of late, and that's probably that that does it for me. I think you. I think Gonzaga wins this game, and I think Gonzaga ends up going and representing the West region to the Final Four. Ooh, you're going against the Huskies. Yes. Wow. I'm shocked, honestly, considering I also know you have a future on UConn to win it all. Yes, I know. So hopefully, well, the good thing is I'll Stop at least. Stop hedging on the podcast. I do think Gonzaga's, in my official personal bracket, that was the team that I picked to come out of this region. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Gonzaga. You're going to go with UConn, I'm assuming. Yep. Okay. So we will advance on to Friday here. The first game is San Diego State and Alabama. Alabama is laying seven and a half points. Connor, do the Aztecs have any chance in this game? 
I think they have a chance, but how? I mean, you got to hope that Alabama's not hitting their shots. You got to hope that uh, if, if they are hitting their shots, you're keeping up. I th- honestly think Bama ends up winning this more times than not. Um, as far as the play for this game, got a little parlay. Okay. Javon Quinterly over 12 and a half points parlayed with Alabama Moneyline. Takes it to a little bit of plus money, but I ultimately think Bama comes out with the win. And honestly, the way Javon Quinterly has been hitting shots, I love the over on his points. I think, like, I know Brandon Miller got uh, back to... uh, Back to normal, ended up dropping 17. But man, the added juice that he Quinterly's been bringing has really taken this Alabama to another step. I think he just goes off. Yeah, I believe he's hit 13 points in one, two, three. It's like six of the last eight games. Yeah, since he's kind of increased in minutes there. So I don't hate that as well. As far as the game, I'm not playing either side of this, but I do want to stick up for San Diego State a little bit. They they have some dudes on this team that can kind of lock up with Alabama and the defense, the team defense itself is legit. And the and they're about 9-10 deep. So they have plenty of bodies to throw at them, but unfortunately I think when it's all said and done, Alabama's just got too much offense here and they're probably going to pull this out when it comes to the number. I I honestly don't really lean either side i think it's probably going to be around that it's probably going to be seven to nine kind of area here mm-hmm. i do think they put up a fighter's chance but more times than not like you said alabama's over this game creighton and princeton the six seeded blue jays take on the 15 seed princeton this is the third straight year we've had a 15 seed in the tournament this is the first ever six versus 15 matchup in college basketball which isn't that crazy because there's only been four 15s in the sweet 16 I still think it's kind of crazy. I mean, who would have thought Princeton would have been here? No, but we like looking back on it, we probably should have. Like, has been the fifth. I should have believed that Arizona was that bad that I should have taken Princeton money line. Oh yeah. wait, we did take it Princeton money line. We did. Park. It was just happened to be live. But hey, they were down eight points when we did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as play this game, um. Ultimately, I do think Creighton wins this game, but I'm taking the ten points with Princeton. Like, and granted, like obviously, I hope the win. I I hope Princeton doesn't win this. You and I both love this Creighton team. We love the Big East, but I'm not gonna sleep on this Princeton team. Now, what does worry me is Mizzou didn't have a lot of time to get acclimated with uh, the Princeton style offense and i think that kind of worked to princeton's advantage i'm pretty sure mizzou was probably just watching film on arizona and not even paying attention to princeton oh yeah and it showed kind of in the game does worry me that you did give doug mcdermott a whole week to basically try to figure out this princeton offense ultimately i do think creighton wins but i think princeton could cover yeah i'm i'm not i do not have a play in this game at all i'm not even going to begin to touch it i think the biggest mismatch for princeton is that tosin as good as he is is like a point center he's still six foot eight and 
you don't even have to probably put Kalkbrenner on him. You can put Kaluma on him, who is a big-bodied guy just like him and can shut him down. My The play that I would feel most comfortable with in this one is take Kalkbrenner's over points at 17.5. The tallest guy is Tosin for Princeton. What's his rebounds at? What? Kalkbrenner's? Um, Kalk yeah. Just curious. Big Kalk's rebounds are at five it's and a half. It's not going to stick. But Stop he, it. On, he is not the team's leading rebounder. Baylor Shireman okay. is, a, is the yeah. bigger oh, yeah, rebounder. Because yeah, yeah, he crashes right. it on every single thing. Yeah. And he's been playing out of his mind as well. Creighton's too much for this Princeton team. So, when it comes to the number, don't lean either way. But Creighton's winning this game. And I'm putting Creighton as my South champion as well. Oh, wow. Shock. Um. Listen here, I'm going to stick up for Creighton. I think Creighton is super good. And if you line up the starting fives for Alabama and Creighton, I could make you a pretty good case that Creighton's better. Like one through five. Now, their bench is very weak. And I'm also saying this, that I think if they play ten times, Alabama's winning six of it. Kind of just trying to be a contrarian. Because literally everybody and their mom is picking Alabama out of here. I mean, I I can't go against Bama. Yeah, I'm not going to blame I you. literally have multiple bets on them to make the Final Four, make the, win the Natty, play Houston in the Natty. I'm all over this Bama team. Yeah. I, just, like, I think Creighton will give Bama their best fight. But ultimately, I think Bama ends up winning it. Here is one other thing I will say. Brandon Miller is a freshman. And Javon yeah. Quinterly has shown in big moments to lay complete fucking turds. And Creighton has the guards that can match up with him. There's a re- they're so elite defensively. Nemhard and Trey Alexander are elite defenders. And Kaluma and Shireman. Shireman is the stereotypical, like, hey, he's white and wears a headband and shoots threes. Like, he's a terrible defender. No. Baylor Shireman is a very, very, very good defender. And he might be the best defender Creighton has in the, like, front slash backcourt. Like, this is a good, this is a really, really, really good Creighton team. Okay, so that is, so you're picking Alabama, and I've obviously picked Creighton. So yep. we have just the Midwest left here. First game to the Midwest here Miami versus Houston. Line is currently Houston minus seven and a half. It's been kind of fluctuating between that seven and seven and a half mark here. I think Houston's the best team remaining in college basketball in that second half against Auburn after Kelvin Sampson made all those halftime adjustments, kind of showed it. But I do think the offense of Miami is legit enough to make this a game and would not shock me at the slightest if Miami can beat Houston here. Yeah, another one of my teams, Miami. Absolutely have loved them this whole season. As far as a pick, I'm taking the points with Miami. I think they do have the shooters, and the offense to keep up with Houston. And honestly, the one thing that helps against Houston's style of defense is being able to shoot over top of them. And honestly, you have two of the best shooting guards, shooting shooting backcourt with Miami. I just... I know, like, you told me before we started recording, like, Poplar is, like, game time decision. Still, I can't go against Wong and Pack. Yeah, I totally get it. I think they're a little outmatched guard level with the guards that Houston has. And the counter to that is, like, Houston runs guys off the three-point line. There's a reason they're the second-best three-point defense in college basketball. And between Sasser 
and Shed, like that's a major advantage over Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack. Chance for the biggest thing for me, if Miami's going to pull the upset here, is we need Norchad O'Meer to play like he did against Indiana. He's got to dominate on the boards. It's Which gonna be is really it, fucking hard against yeah, the, Houston. Uh, yeah, you're going up against the best rebound team in the nation, and but I mean, Omir was able to get 17 against Trace Jackson Davis. So I, but also at the same time, that's one player compared to a whole team that hits the boards. So the one big thing is can't get rebounds if the shots are going in. So. Yeah, Taking the I, points of Miami. I'm I'm, not, I might sprinkle money line as kind of like a hedge for all the futures that I do have on Houston. But at the same time, I think Houston wins, but I think Miami has a very, very good shot to cover. Yeah, I think I would probably lean that on the number. Um, a prop here that I would like is probably packs under points. He is a little small. And he is not, he is a skinny guy and he is not physical enough to deal with the guards of Houston. I think if Miami's going to win this game and have a shot, he's going to have to hit some really, really, really contested shots. And like I said, Norchad's going to have to eat up the boards, which he's given us no reason. I know how good Houston's offense or rebounding is, but he's gave us no reason to doubt him. He's undersized. And when he goes up against a set, he went up against Derek Lively and everybody's like, he can't handle Derek Lively and Philipowski and got like 12 rebounds. It's just what he does. He's a rebounding machine, dude. But as far as the game, I think Houston advances here. No, To be honest, there's not a lot of bets I really love mm-hmm. in this round here. The late game here, Texas, Xavier. Texas is laying four points here. Um, I continue to doubt this Xavier team, and they just keep surprising us every single week. Yeah, I really don't have a side that I like. So... Just because it is the highest point total, I am taking the under 149. Just, I mean, simply put unders in the tournament. But, like, Texas and Xavier have been very hot shooting the ball lately. And I just think in a game that can be very tight, like, points are going to be premium. I just don't know if we hit the 149. Yeah, I'm would not touch that like Xavier like good uh, Xavier's just so bad defensively that it worries me like I they're yeah they and they play it maybe not like I shouldn't say they're that bad they're kind of middle of the road it's just the tempo that they play at sometimes just gives the other team so many possessions but we've said that about so many teams in the tournament and I'm pretty sure the was it Friday it was like 15 and one to the under yep like, everybody gets kind of tighter, and it really didn't seem like Vegas kind of adjusted to it. But, man, what a battle of car- of guards in this game. Between Boom, Jones, and Kunkel for Xavier, and then, Ed, I mean, there's te- Texas rolls out like five of them. Marcus Carr. Serge, Marcus Serge Carr. Serge Jabari Serge Reyes. Timmy Allen. Tyrese Hunter. And then at the same time, DeSue has been a absolute beast these last couple games. And going up against Jack Nunji, and if as much as I do like Jack Nunji and his like don't know style how. of game, I don't know if he's gonna be able to be. I don't know if he has the athleticism. That's exactly what I was about to say to handle Dylan DeSue. Um, no play on the number. If I have, I was leaning anyway. I'm going Texas minus four, and I think Texas wins this game, and I think Houston beats Texas to go to the sweet to the final four. Yeah, 
Oh, wait. Oh, you're asking for my pick. Yeah. Um, yeah. I ultimately think Texas ends up winning this game, but I think Houston ends up winning the region. Yep, 100%. So, I mean, that's basically everything, right? Yeah. We can come back Monday here and break down. We're going to have four teams left here. Yeah, we will. Enjoy the games. Good luck to all your bets. We're out of here. Ima. Peace.